0: So uh, yeah, this podcast is is brought to you by Milo's Sweet Tea. Milo's sweet tea. Made in Bessemer. Is that where it says Bessemer, Alabama?
1: I can't read it, I'll have my glasses on, but it says no calorie, but it sure doesn't taste like no calorie.
0: It's delicious, isn't it? It's
1: perfectly delicious. It's really good. Oh, <laughs>
0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the pre-accident podcast. I am your loving host, Todd Conklin. How are you today? Are you good? It is September, the month of the Bluegrass Festival. I know I talk about it a lot, but it's because I rented a golf cart, and you know, any place where I can drive a golf cart, I'm I'm in my happy place. That is my happy space. I'm happiest when I'm golf carting, ish, g- g- driving, whatever that. Whatever I'm trying to say. Hey, I'm, anyway, I hope the gear's going good. Can you believe it? It's the ninth month. What happened? you turn around and zam it's gone i'm just coming back off gigantic travel uh like herculean travel crazy travel and it was crazy because um a better person would have scheduled this differently but i was in europe and then i had to go to asia and i had it all worked out perfectly that i could have like three days at home in between there except that coming back from europe my plane got messed up in london and i got trapped 20 minutes at a time they wouldn't just tell me it was delayed It was, we'll be going in 20 minutes, sir. In 20 minutes, this thing will fly. In 20 minutes, 20 minutes at a time, we were like 10 hours late, thank you, United. And by the time I got in, there wasn't enough time to go home for the weekend, so then I had to go directly to Asia, and I had no clean clothes. Luckily, where I stay, there's lots of clean clothes. You'll hear more about this Asia trip, I'm sure, because I recorded a great podcast with some people in Asia, because I was there, and we were working together, and so I thought, why not? I can't think of a reason why not. And other than that, you know, I'm suffering a bit of burnout. I'll just be honest with you. I think I'm burning the candle at both ends, and it's burning towards the middle. And it's a, it's, I can feel it. It's, uh, today it hit especially hard. Um, Darn it. I'm sure it's a combination of being jet lagged and just exhausted and not feeling good. And, you know, you know how it goes. You, you, all these things, you also suffer. But it's exciting because the world is, um, it's man, companies that are doing the safety different stuff are really getting better. I mean, they're starting to see improvement, and there's all these testimonials, and there's all these people out there in the world excited, and so that part's good. I mean, you know, it's it's all pretty good. He says, which seems intellectually lazy, but that's kind of where I am anyway. I feel intellectually lazy. It's the September part of it. School's starting, at least in the United States, for those of us who hang out there. And so we're kind of back into the groove. It's just a matter of time till weather hits us. I just heard this weekend that it's supposed to be a very snowy but warm winter, at least for us. I don't know what that means, actually. Lots of melting, I guess. Um, So that should be fun as well. And we've got a podcast for you because this is a podcast, and that's why we're here. And if you could tell from the introduction... um, this podcast, by the way, isn't really sponsored by Milo's tea. It's uh, the the those great people at Alabama Power in Tuscaloosa sent me a case of Milo's tea, and uh, I liked it. And I said I liked it. I must have said I liked it loud enough that somebody heard me say I like it. And so the payoff was to give me some tea. So we were drinking Milo's tea uh, when we were recording this, and that's why we did the fake sponsorship. But if I had to sponsor. Uh, Milo's tea would be one I'd sponsor It's really good, it's delicious tea There's no question about it Delicious is the word I would use But I was talking with Mark Yeston And this uh, this podcast episode Is an interesting one Because this has been kind of an ongoing discussion Around the five principles So my premise is, is that we're getting kind of far away From the principles that we've initially Not we, but that were initially established To sort of look at human And organizational performance And have been sort of the father's uh, and mothers of the new view. And so I've talked about the principles. I, in fact, I talked about them this year, and I'm working on a book on the five principles. One of those principles is is the notion that context drives behavior, that behavior is a function of the organization's context. And Mark Yeston, whom you all know from his incredible experience with the Park Service and the work he does all over the world with pre-job, post-job, he's really good with, with adaptive workers who work in high-risk areas. Um, like he 's great with linemen, firemen, helicopter rescue people, that kind of stuff emergency medicine, wilderness doctors knowles he does all that kind of stuff right so he was he was talking to me about this idea that um that in fact, if context truly drives behavior then isn 't that manipulation and and he was saying it kind of put air quotes around manipulation as if it were sort of a morally bankrupt way to manage behavior. And so that's kind of what this podcast talks about because it's a, that's a really good question. I mean, is advertising manipulation? Well, the quick answer is yes, it is. Is the way they designed grocery stores manipulation? Yeah, that that's manipulation is the way you have to shop on Amazon. If you do online shopping manipulation, oh, it is people who bought this also bought this, right? All those things are there to provide context. And that context then provides a behavioral, behavioral stimuli. It, it, it gives you a reason to do what you do. And that and that really is that third principle that we talk about a lot and, and whether it's manipulation, bad word or manipulation, good word, maybe that's something we should talk about. And so that is exactly what we did. And so that is this podcast. So if I'll shut up, You could actually hear this podcast, and that would be pretty cool, too. So um, sit back and relax, open up your jar of Milo's tea, and listen to Mark and I discuss this very idea out loud in public uh, on this very topic. Okay, so how's it going? What are you up to now?
1: Good, Todd. It's nice to see you. It's nice to be back at um, the podcast studios. I love what you did with the parking lot, adding, nice. adding some additional spaces for all the coming and going. Although that guy that collects the fees is kind of cranky. Does it feel good to be a part of it? Oh, it's huge, yeah. You're happening in the podcast land?
0: Yeah, I love it. It's better than like birthdays at Denny's. Birthdays at Denny's. So so what you, are what you doing with the new view stuff? What you doing with safety stuff? What are you thinking about now?
1: I think about uh, this idea of talking to people about how systems influence what workers do.
0: So that seems to be a big deal. That's one of the the big five principles that uh, context drives behavior. And you asked about that earlier this morning. What 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 is it about that that uh, bugs you?
1: Well, nothing bugs me about
0: it. I'm oh, sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't want to put words in your mouth.
1: Yeah. No. Just Why, so- let me ask it this way. Why on earth would you ask me that question? Because I'm just curious about the examples that you use when you're talking to people about this stuff. And then you brought up a couple of great examples, uh, actually several really good examples that I think make sense. And then we kind of like tore that apart a little bit. You're you're starting off talking about uh, grocery stores and how – you know, how the way the grocery store is set up, you know, I mean, people frequently, if they're going on an unplanned visit to the grocery store, just going to pick up some milk, a quick in and out. And of course the milk is strategically located as far away from the front door as possible. So you have to go buy all the cool stuff and, you know, on your way back out with your milk, you think like, Hey, here's the Hershey's syrup. Need some of that too. And I think that people, there's a transparency to it. I mean, we know that we're kind of For lack of a better word being manipulated We know that we're being steered a little bit In our behavior and we kind of Accept it and then You talked about that fantastic anecdote Of the uh, bicycles getting damaged In shipping you want to explain that real quick
0: um, That's the one Where the guy was having bicycles He was shipping them from Europe to the United States They weren't getting damaged In shipping they were getting damaged Between the time they took them out Of the transportainers and put them on like the FedEx truck Right And so they changed – they worried about it a long time and they thought about it and, oh, what should we do? Bigger box, stronger box, put giant fragile signs on it. And they ended up just printing a 70-inch big screen TV on the box. Right. So the box looks like it has a 70-inch TV in it, but in reality it has a bicycle. So long story short – Super effective. Yeah, it totally worked because the stevedores, the guys who unload the transportainers –
1: um, care more about 70-inch TVs than they do care about bicycles. Right. A bicycle is much less fragile than a TV, and so you might be more inclined to think, oh, I can toss this and stack them a little bit higher, but I don't want to mess up somebody's TV. Totally makes sense. But then my thought about that was yeah, if, I, if I'm the worker and – uh I'm tossing those, or, or being very careful with those boxes that, are, that look like they're holding someone's expensive flat-screen TV, and one breaks open, and one's always going to break open eventually. And I find a bicycle inside. I'm going to feel a little bit misled, right? And that's the part I find interesting, because you see, the grocery
0: store putting the milk in the back, right, or the expensive items at eye level, yeah, or printing a tv on a bicycle box you see
1: that as trickery i see it as non non-transparent which see is, if i go into the grocery like store I'm, like I'm joining a, in on the is cons- that how a
0: rich guy says trickery
1: well i wouldn't know can i, can <laughs> I, can I say chicanery is chicanery. It chicanery? even better yes yeah, it's, it's chicanery, chicanery. <laughs> So, but no, I think like when you, you can understand pretty easily that the grocery store is there trying to manipulate you and sell you and there's all kinds of cool stuff there. But it's like – so let's say instead of labeling that box with a TV, you put high explosives if you drop this, it's going to vaporize you and then you found out there was a bicycle in the bag. You would think like, hey, man, don't they give me some credit for this kind of thing? Um, well, kind of. I mean, well, I, I actually think the high explosives would be uh,
0: – the, in, the, the you're introducing a lot of confounding variables into the argument. No, I'm of, sorry. It's a Saturday, and we just yeah. ate
1: some delicious Mexican foods. I'm and awesome.
0: Milo's Sweet Tea. And Milo's Sweet Tea brought this to pod, you, this podcast by by brought you by Sweet Milo's Sweet Tea. Milo's
1: Sweet Tea. That's right. Um,
0: thanks, Delane. Um, so what's interesting to me is, and I really am kind of fixated on it, is that manipulation to you – you
1: see as 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 less than transparent no I'm, I'm talking about forget it forgetting transparency i'm thinking about durability and so the minute that first box cracks open and the person loading the boxes sees that they were being influenced by a false message the whole thing makes sense to them but then they will know from that period forward that a box that looks like this that says tv is actually a bicycle i don't have to be as careful with it you know that ruse didn't work on me now Take that to the other example we talked about with the uh, the additive tanks. Right. Now, I love that. That's elegant. And so describe that for the folks really quickly. Okay. So
0: imagine four long, skinny, pencil-shaped tanks. They're long and skinny tanks, and they're maybe – let's say they're 30 feet high, and they're in a row, and they're all in a line, and they're about a meter apart. Okay? That's about three feet. That's if you're left-handed. Or $1.80 Canadian. That's right. There you go. Go ahead and calculate. So I did an investigation where a person had to climb up a ladder, go to the top of the tank, check something, climb back down the ladder, go to the tank next to it, climb up that tank, go to the top and check it, climb down that ladder, go to the one next to it. There's five tanks in a row. And he had to check all five of those tanks, which means he has to climb up five ladders and down five ladders unless he stays on the tank, which would be four and a half ladders. But let's say he's coming down, so five ladders. And amazingly enough, what was happening, they're a meter apart, is the guy was jumping from tank to tank.
1: Or even just like going from guardrail to guardrail, like you right. know, having two or three points of contact and right. just making that leap, which works every time until. Right, it didn't,
0: right? And yeah, so let's say you can have three points of contact the entire time. And let's say he's done it a long time and it's normally pretty safe. I mean, clearly, if it's safe like that, it's incredibly efficient because workers really count on efficiency. Because if I don't have to make 10 steps today, I'm actually 10 steps ahead of tomorrow. So so workers being like water are going to look for the path of least resistance people. <laughs> right. Right. OK. People being like water are going to look for the path of least resistance. And so the guy jumped between them. So the question is, is, is he an idiot? Is he? Is he next on the list of LinkedIn videos that people show, which drive me bananas? Me too. All these, like, look how dumb this guy is. Look, they made scaffolding
1: out of bamboo in India.
0: Don't be this guy. That's right. right. Or, in fact, can we look at that and say the system has some influence on that? Because if the tanks were farther away apart, so let's say the tanks were 10 feet apart. Then you wouldn't consider jumping between them. Because unless you're Spider-Man, you can't do it. But last week I was at a facility... And they had the same thing, five pencil-thin tanks, 30 feet high. But on one end, they had this beautiful, very gracious and casual staircase that led up with landings and a nice pitch seven-inch rise. It was a great staircase. When you got on top of Tank 1, lo and behold, there was a catwalk to ta- Tank 2 and to Tank 3 and to Tank 4 and to Tank 5. And at Tank 5, there was an emergency egress, a uh, climbing ladder with a, with a cage, And a parapet crossing. So you wouldn't be trapped. So you wouldn't be trapped on one side if the tanks blew up. And I will tell you that they will never have a person jump from tank to tank. Now, they built a system that manipulates the worker's behavior towards using the catwalk.
1: Is that trickery? Okay, so I don't think it's trickery. Here's Okay, is that chicanery? Chicanery. No, not even. What I think is it's fantastic and thoughtful design in the fact that The worker or the person looking at it would never be aware unless they thought about it or someone told them why it was designed that way. But once they discovered that they were using it in the way that it was designed and it was designed with that safety in mind to not – it wouldn't even occur to a worker to jump among tanks because that would actually mean more work. Then if they saw what the design was, if it was explained to them or they just realized it over time or compared it to the initial tanks you talked about with the individual ladders – they would appreciate it. They would think like time was taken and, and design was thought to make this as safe and easy and efficient as possible for me. Right. And, of course, also for the company. And I, that would leave a better taste in my mouth than the box cracking open and saying, hey, it's a bicycle, not a TV, even and, though it works. And yet I would suggest it's the same
0: thing. And so if you look at principle three, context drives behavior, the, the sort of the metric I would use, the definition I would use for that is – We should make it easy for the worker to do it safely Yes. and hard for the worker to do it dangerously. Yes. Okay, so if we do that, right, then we're actually building towards the collective goal of both the worker and the organization. But in fact, the organization is getting exactly what it wants. It's getting safe and reliable performance without injury, and all five tanks get checked.
1: Right. So is that bad? No, I don't think it's bad. But grocery stores are bad. No, I don't think grocery stores are bad. I think they're they're varying levels of uh, of perception. So let me ask this: Is advertising immoral? No, I don't think so.
0: Especially not the Geico ads. I love that lizard. All the stuff <laughs> yeah, they're doing. Everyone loves that lizard. Yeah, but uh, the Geico ad, the the one to watch is Flo.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's cool too.
0: I think Flo's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But this notion that that somehow. Workers exercise free agency and that every accident, LinkedIn, here it comes, is a function of the worker being stupid is, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, I actually do think that's immoral. I think that's malpractice. I think if you look at the worker and say the worker had a choice and the worker chose to do it in a dangerous way, therefore the worker got injured, and somehow you're implying that the worker then therefore deserves to get injured, I don't know, I have a pretty hard time with that. So
1: what do we do with it? I just like to work in a place that I can, once I see the design and I see the thought behind it, I realize that it's the way I probably would have done it if I had the budget and I had the engineering control of doing it.
0: Let me ask this question. Yeah. Your entire career, you worked with guests who interfaced with national parks.
1: We call them visitors.
0: I'm sorry, visitors who interfaced with national parks. Uh How did you manage their behavior to keep them from stepping on, I don't know, exotic lichen that only lives in
1: one place or baby turtles or, I don't know, keep them on the trail. What'd you do? It's a balancing act because we would uh, try to give people information that they could relate to without overdoing it and in doing so, having them disregard it, thinking they were just being handheld and overparented when they were visiting the parks. Which is a problem. Like you stay in lots of hotels in, in the great state of California, right? Yes. And, I, and pretty decent hotels too, I'm sure.
0: If you count Camp Electric as absolutely. a decent hotel,
1: and I do. And every one of those hotels you walk into has a nice-looking um, placard on each floor that says there are chemicals in this hotel known by the state of California to cause birth defects and cancer. And there's absolutely nothing for you to do about that. Right. Now you do see those. Is it? The, they're everywhere by law. When you get on an airplane, same thing. And so people are bombarded by all of these messages that say, you know, the hazards are real. The hazards are real. It's very, very dangerous. And then they know in their heart, well, a lot of this is not completely true or a lot of this is, you know, to protect for some liability or meet some sort of like, you know, legislative or regulatory concern. It doesn't truly apply to me or I'm willing to stay in this hotel and probably not going to get a birth defect because, you know, I'm already born. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that that not, is not helpful. About yeah. 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 And so when you tell people. Like uh, honestly, don't pet the bison, you know. Yeah, that guy got he got, yeah, well, he got a like he got eighteen, he, he, 18 days in jail or something. 18, twenty twenty 18, days in jail. Yeah, some jail time and some mandatory drug and alcohol treatment and a ban from the parks for five years and all that kind of stuff. So he was drunk. He was apparently. I mean, I guess it's been adjudicated now, but yeah, that's what I understand. Oh, okay. From popular media reports. Speaking entirely as
0: someone who has quite a history with Buffalo, uh huh, and. I don't know if you know this, podcast listeners, but I have quite a history with Buffalo. Someday I'll tell you the whole story. Um, He was kind of a brave dude. Yeah, or very
1: drunk. Yeah, or very drunk. And there's a fine line between very brave and very drunk. But if we're warning people in their hotel rooms, like, don't use this iron to get the wrinkles out of the clothing that you're wearing, and then we tell them don't go pet the bison, then they think maybe we're being overprotective. Or don't swim in the hot springs. Or so how do how do you, how how do you find door. that balance? I think you try to be as transparent as possible, and you try to tell people, you know, uh, you try not to overwarn. Well, they went through this a bunch at Grand Canyon back in the '90s when there was a spate of heat of heat fatalities. People just like dehydrating, and bring to them. they tried all kinds of approaches, and they they tried a uh, a heavy handed approach like actual stop signs on the trail you know do not go past this stop sign you know after this time of the day because conditions are so dangerous and if you do and you require rescue you will be you know fined and humiliated and all these other things and those lasted for a couple of years and what we found there how well they work well what we found there is that people would go past the signs of course it would turn some people around people would go past the signs and then they would get in trouble and when they got in trouble they were reluctant to call for assistance because they knew they were going to face all kinds of humiliation and sanction and Possible fines and things like that, and they would get themselves into more trouble by not calling for help in a timely manner. So then it went more to educational campaigns. It's really interesting. It actually, went to educational campaigns like you know, hydrate or die. You know, drink, drink, drink. And then they created this uh, uh, unintended consequence where people were actually over hydrating. And getting into this situation that was called hyponatremia without getting too detailed. They're, they're basically water intoxicated. They, would, they overdid it trying to comply with the rule. They'd fill themselves up with water. They'd go down there and sweat. They wouldn't eat any salty foods. And they would get into this you know, pretty serious metabolic problem that ended up sending a whole bunch of them to the ICU for weeks at a time. And then they finally came back to a more moderate message, which is uh, you know, not like an enforcement thing like go past here, you're going to get in trouble. But, you know, eat and drink as you go in and out of here. And here are things to consider. And then, really successfully, they actually put some, got some funding and put some uh, you know, volunteers and uh, newbie rangers on the trails to just kind of talk to people. You right. Know, like, hey, I see you and your Chihuahua and your Diet Pepsi are planning to hike to the bottom of the canyon. It's 135 degrees down there today. Maybe we can suggest a different hike. And they would just, in a friendly way, turn those people around and give them some education. That really, really helped.
0: And didn't you also – Cash, water, and food along the trail?
1: Yeah, under well, under, under, under lock and keys. So I, was, I
0: wasn't supposed to say that. Was that a
1: yeah, so secret? Yeah, that's a secret. Or we'll so edit this out. Don't, don't you worry. This will yeah, be edited out in, in a minute. Oreos too, Todd. Really? Yeah. Really? Because if you're telling somebody that you know they're going to have to spend the night down there and they're not going to get eaten by something, they're going to be okay, but nobody's going to send a night flight dirigible or helicopter down to get them. And by the way, if you key into this box, there's some water... And there's some, you know, uh, military rations. And if you look really hard, you're going to find some Oreos too. That's going to make the night go better. (laughs) Well, and and I mean, yes. Yeah. Who would disagree with that? But please don't
0: break into the strong boxes for the Oreos. I know. That's going to be edited out. So don't worry, Mark. You don't listen to this podcast, so you're fine. Right. right.
1: In fact, it's gone now. Yes. So that's interesting. So overwarning, because I think we live in a culture where we're, Overwarned quite a bit About things that we can rationally see This isn't really about protecting me And, and you know you understand why Overwarning doesn't work, do you? Yeah So well, there's
0: two things One is the law of small numbers Right Which is That happens to everybody else Yes But the odds are actually That it won't happen to me Correct Right And then couple that with an optimism bias With the belief that Not I'll gonna, be fine Right, look at my I, shoes I'm almost always fine Yeah and I can do this because I've done stuff like this before. And I've always kind of gotten away with it. I've been All thinking. the
1: time. Like, I can go for four hours on the Stairmaster. This is no big deal. Not that big, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right?
0: That's interesting to me. So, is it trickery? Is the bicycle box trickery?
1: I think, no, I think it's really, really effective. I think it's demonstrated as effective. Yeah, but I know it works. when the curtain gets pulled back, it risks being less effective. And if the goal is to maintain that effectiveness... And achieve that goal of not damaging the bicycles in this case, then once the, again, the curtain is pulled back or the mask is pulled off and they see, you know, the thinking behind it and how it was supposed to influence them, they may be less likely to comply because they know that I can mishandle this a bit because it's not really TV as opposed to uh, if somebody said, you know, this thing that you're using, these tanks, for instance, notice how they're laid out. They're laid out to make your job easier and better. I would feel in that case like wow. Somebody put some thought into really caring about me and didn't have to manipulate me. I hate to use the word manipulate, but, well, but it, it but is manipulation. I'm not sure the word. But it's not manipulation that. in a bad way. It's manipulation toward people's well being. So let me
0: ask this question then, Ranger okay.
1: Rick. Oh, here comes another one. Yeah, are
0: our safeguards permanent? I don't think so. I think it depends. That that was a super like wimpy. Yeah, like if a wuss answered a question. Yes,
1: yeah, so I'm going to put an X in the center box on that. Yeah,
0: one, so. I'd like to – on a Likert scale, I'd be at uh, right now 3.5. <laughs> there you go. It's 3.5 on yeah. a Likert scale, modified Likert scale right. actually because it's just 1 to 7. That's right. Um, well, so, so everything is always degrading. Right. And so if everything's always degrading, then every, every safeguard you put in a system over time will fail – because it'll wear out a
1: break. Rust.
0: It'll definitely normalize. So we'll start to actually depend on that. And at some point, it'll become a production advantage. We'll, yeah. we'll use it to actually uh, get work done faster. Yes. So should we stop trying? No. Huh. What interesting. Do you think? Well, I think this is a very interesting discussion. I, I, I think mostly what this is about is does mankind exercise free agency or is mankind predetermined by larger contextual pressures that exist upon us all the time? And I'm not sure I have an answer to that.
1: That's been getting worked on for some time now. Yeah,
0: yeah. maybe smart people somewhere will solve this problem. Yes. But I think leaders think, especially in retrospect, especially after something happens, that the worker actually had free will and that every decision that was made was entirely a function of the worker specifically making the decision. A to rational do, choice. Yeah, a rational choice to do something stupid. Right. And I think in context, before the event happens, I actually think many things that we see as choices are not, are not. In yeah. fact, they are oftentimes just responses to the environment in which we find ourselves, whether that be a grocery store or a box of bicycles. Or I guess there's only one bicycle in the box I hope. Um, or going down a trail with a Diet Pepsi and a Chihuahua in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. So I think we'll work for a long time. I think so. I think we have almost permanent employment. <laughs> the fact that it's a moral question or a non-moral question, that's very interesting to me. So and I think that's part of what we want to change is we want to help people understand that when they put a video up of a guy who knocks a loader into a ditch or something whatever I don't know there's there's a ton of them always that actually what that is doing is standing in moral judgment in retrospect of a worker who probably at the time was simply trying to move the digger
1: across the ditch well you know the one that really got me Going a while back, I try to restrain myself, but there was a video of uh, a really nice Airbus, and there was a tug below it, and the tug caught on fire and was pretty quickly engulfed. And you know, at every airport, there are those fire extinguishers with the big wheels, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole model for using those fire extinguishers is if a fire breaks out. You hit the panic button and get the response going from the, you know, on-field fire department. This was a big, you know, international airport setting, so they certainly have a fire department. But there is a response time, and the whole model for using a fire extinguisher is to try, if it's possible, to limit the, uh, you know, the progression of that fire until they get there with the big guns or the big trucks. In this case, right? Right. So here's a video of guys that are operating the tug. The thing bursts into flames. The fire extinguisher is right there. They grab it you know and it's windy and stuff like that and and it's a fuel fire and they're hitting it with the fuel but they're not in PPE because that's not how fire extinguishers work they don't come with you know fire retardant clothing and SCBA it's a fire extinguisher and so they exhaust the fire extinguisher as they're retreating and and then they run away from the thing and then the comments from that post was the the first one would say this is a clear violation of ACIO or ICAO, I you know, yeah, uh, section 41, honestly, down to the paragraph. And and there was a, two sentences of citations of the violations that were taking place and the fact that they weren't in PPE and the fire responders didn't respond in a timely manner. And again, this whole video clip is about 18 seconds long, so I don't, I've never seen a fire department that can get to a fire in 18 seconds. But with the... Benefit of retrospect and this, you know, comfort chair uh, bias that we have—I don't even want to call it a bias. I just think it's kind of cruel to sit there and judge those people and list like, "Here are the idealized procedures that were not followed to my satisfaction." In this case, was crazy, and that's why I couldn't restrain myself when I, I tweeted back or I didn't tweet whatever it's called. You know, I, I posted back and I said, "Well, maybe the fire department was delayed because they were watching." a PowerPoint presentation on ICAO chapter (laughs) 41-61. And then I hit sin and I felt terrible afterwards. I didn't mean to be rude to the guy. I said, man, I want your job where you just get to sit there and criticize people who are actually trying to put the fire out. (laughs) That's good. But it just bugs me because I don't think it makes us any better. When you see people out there struggling in unexpected circumstances or strange combinations of really common circumstances, uh, you can see that they're actually trying to – To make sense of what's going on and do the right thing. And when it goes wrong, it's really easy to sit there and say like, well, obviously they should have chosen B instead of A. So let's bring everybody in for A over B training and fire these guys or, you know, suspend them or something like that. When in fact, that's just the way the world works every day. We're constantly having to make decisions. And I think that, you know, honest workers, and I think most workers are honest, are trying to think the next step I take is probably the absolute best thing to do in this complex situation that I'm struggling with. And they don't know that it's going to be bad. And we don't know it's going to be bad until it doesn't work. Had that fire extinguisher put out that fire, those guys would have been heroes. Nobody got hurt. I mean, the plane got burnt up pretty good. But, uh, you know. They did exactly what the system was designed to do. And
0: that, my friend, the best definition of local rationale I've ever heard is a pretty good place to stop this podcast. Thank you, Mark. Well,
1: thanks, Todd. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. See ya.
0: And that is the podcast for today. What do you think? Would you change your life? Did your life feel changed? Yeah, turn, turn the sound up a little. It was fun. That was a great conversation. It's always fun to spend time with Mark. He's great. Give him a call. If you've not worked with him, you should. He is a fun guy. Fun, 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 fun. All right, so that's the podcast. Talk to you uh, Wednesday, and then maybe again Saturday, and then Wednesday, and then Saturday. We do this kind of a lot, don't we? Um, If you're new to the podcast, thanks for listening. If you've listened for a while, tell your friends. Tell your friends and subscribe. That makes a big difference. Until then, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, be safe.